Hi, I'm Hassel. And I'm JP. And this is Pulled Corks. Podcast. All right, everybody, we're back after a little bit of a delay there. Uh, first, it was just me alone for a while. And now we've got JP back, and now we've improved our setup so we can uh, do this remotely. Yeah, we had some major hiccups to deal with, some uh, technical issues, some stuff, so sorry for that delay. But we're back now. Now we can do this show together uh, pretty often and pretty easily now. And from anywhere on the globe. (laughs) We are worldwide now, so we can travel and do this now. So it's pretty cool. Uh, got a little bit of new equipment and finally got it working right. Today we're talking about Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc is like one of the most popular white grapes in the world, like right after Chardonnay and even before Riesling. It's the perfect fresh summer wine, I would say. And going straight into the history, I yeah, I have to say Bordeaux is yeah the origin of the Sauvignon Blanc grape, or yes. at least the region where it's spread from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the parent grapes of Cabernet Sauvignon. Which is the most popular red wine grape in the world. Absolutely. And the other parent is Cabernet Franc. So they just took a half of each name and, and there you go. Yeah. Cabernet Sauvignon. So the Sauvignon Blanc grape goes supposedly back to the Sauvignon grape of Jura, so a really ancient grape. Mm-hmm. And um, the Sauvignon, it means also like sauvage, like wild. So it's a very aromatic, um, intense grape, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's aromatic. It's, it takes on these really cool flavors. And in my opinion, um, it is one of the best expressions of terroir that, that you can get. Which is quite interesting because usually you would say like this kind of aromatic grape would mask the terroir. You would, for terroir like fanatics, you always go with the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir, the Burgundy grapes, because they're relatively uh, neutral in terms of their aromatics. You, You can always say, yeah, this is Pinot Noir, this is Chardonnay, and there's the terroir coming in. Right. And, uh, you wouldn't expect that with uh, such an intense grape. No, but it's it's just that the, uh, the the flavor profiles are so different based on on the terroir, as well as um, the climate. The climate, and but you still have this certain certain acidity, almost a citrus like acidity. That you can always tell that it is Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very, very like, easy wine to distinguish, but can be, still be completely different. But also the, the characteristics of the citrus can go from like tart lime to really ripe grapefruit. Oh, exactly. And the, the climate. Yeah, it, it definitely can. That's, that's for sure. So anyways, we're going to talk about uh, the wines that we are going to each be trying later. But before we get to that, I'm going to give everyone a hint as to where my wine comes from. So everyone listen really close. Now, this is a really good hint on where my Sauv Blanc comes from. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, great hint. (laughs) That is a really good hint. So, back to this grape. We talked about it. It originated in Bordeaux. Um, In in California, you can see this called Fumé Blanc. 
Yeah, this is a term coined by Robert Mondavi. Yes. Was a very interesting like marketing stunt again. Like he was a marketing genius, I would say. Absolutely. And it's uh, he kind of stole, borrowed from uh, Puy Fume. Yeah, Puy Fume is a town in France we will be talking about soon, mm-hmm. uh, which is really famous for its Sauvignon Blanc, uh, especially with a flinty, smoky note. Oh, so yes. So that's where that Fume is coming from. You know, speaking of that town that's uh, in the Loire Valley, uh, one of the uh, one of the best expressions of Sauvignon Blanc is from that region. On the planet, yeah, hands down. Yes. The the twin uh, cities of uh, Sancerre and Puy-Fumé, they produce like some of the top-notch, world-famous Sauvignon Blancs. Absolutely, they sure do. Um, you can also see a few different areas in France produce it, uh, the Rhone as well. They uh, usually just do it as a blend. Uh, is a minor grape in a blend with the uh, trousselier. Yeah. And sometimes that is a uh, field blend, kind of. <laughs> they have a system where every so many vines, they'll plant one Sauvignon Blanc vine and harvest them all together and then adjust that based on the uh, the climate, or as the climate changes, they've had to uh, change that a bit. Yeah, I would say even Bordeaux, even Bordeaux is blending it usually. They use yeah, it as a spice for the their Semillon ba- based white wines. Mm-hmm. So all the Bordeaux whites contain a certain amount of Sauvignon Blanc, and also uh, the sweet wines of Sauternes and Barsac. Um, it's adding basically the spice to the sweet wines and uh, makes them more interesting. And it's also adding this uh, acidity that makes them uh, last forever. Yeah, it just, uh, they last a really long time. You can age these things forever, and they're just beautiful, beautiful wines. Yeah, they're one type of the great sweet wines of the world, uh, except, like, the other one is port and uh, the German Rieslings, I would say. Oh, absolutely. And we can't forget all uh, PX either. Yeah, PX is also great. Mm-hmm. You always forget the sherry. Oh, that's absolutely. We should do a sherry episode pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. We really should. Um, that's a really good idea, actually. Or just a fortified, a fortified episode. Yeah. That, that sounds like so, a really, really good idea. Yeah, we were now covering a little bit of uh, the old world classics, mm-hmm. and now we should mention the new world. We already mentioned Robert Mondavi and the Fumé Blanc in California. That's correct. But there's also also a ton uh, of Sauvignon Blanc in South Africa and Australia. Yes. And you never should forget one little island country in the Pacific. One little island country. And this kind of goes back to the clue that I gave earlier. Because this island country bottles around 90% of all their wines with a screw cap. Which is awesome, if you ask me. Yeah. And that uh, no cork taint. <laughs> no cork taint. Yeah, it's safe. You can store them standing up and all kinds of uh, advantages. You know, we should do an episode about corks and caps as well. Yeah, and the glass corks and what all all varieties of uh, the different closures. Yeah, crown caps even. Yeah, yeah, crown caps, wax, uh, champagne corks. Yeah. All kinds There's of There's a lot ways. to say about this. Yeah. There is. Save it for the next one. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, we could really go deep down the uh, old cork rabbit hole. 
Yeah, yeah we're talking about New Zealand. That's the island country, and it is, uh, gosh, I mean, the Loire Valley and has always been traditionally the uh, home of um, Sauvignon Blanc, but uh, New Zealand is doing a pretty darn good job of uh, coming in second, or in some cases, they may even be producing better stuff. Probably, yeah. They're, they're very different in style, I would say. Uh, it's not as terroir-driven as in the Loire, I would say. It's more on the aromatic side. They right. try to really get out the, the green uh, aromatics, uh, the pyrazines, the thiols. You can go a little bit deeper in the, into the chemistry part, if you like. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's right. We were talking about that uh, the other day, the... Uh yeah, the green, green flavors in the Sauvignon, uh, green bell pepper, grassy aromas. They come from uh, stuff called pyrazines. Yes, uh, they are in in the grape, and they uh, stay there if if they are harvested cool, fermented cool. Yeah, and preserve that fresh, crisp grape flavor. Those vegetable flavors, yeah. Methoxypyrazines, that's the, yeah. the vegetable compound. And then with the riper flavors like the passion fruit, uh, that's uh, thiol or thiol, T H I O L. Mm. That is a compound that uh, helps out with that. Yeah, so you can see there's a lot of uh, aromatics going on in the Sauvignon Blanc. We should also mention the gooseberry because that's like one of the indicators in a blind tasting if you get a strong flavor of gooseberry in the wine it's a really really strong in indicator that is a sauvignon blanc in a, in a blind tasting you you get that yeah it's definitely always there you're always going to get the gooseberry grassy green flavors gooseberry well, sometimes we get hay main, yeah yeah i will talk about that soon asparagus <laughs> melon yeah also like Green vegetable, vegetable stuff, herbaceous stuff, always there. And there, and there's also uh, minerality sometimes. Yeah, it it can really reflect minerality. This is also something we will uh, see when we get to our samples. Mm -hmm. And if the climate is getting warmer and more tropical, uh, the more tropical aromas come out, like the pineapples, the ripe grapefruit, melon, yeah, all all kinds of uh, really ripe fruit. Exactly, and and when you've uh, add, put some oak on it, you'll get uh, some like toast aroma, yeah. uh, some smokiness. Uh, I don't know any producers who do like serious malolactic fermentation on it, so you don't mm. get much buttery stuff on a Sauvignon Blanc usually. No, and I'm not sure how good that would really be on no. top of all that these. That might other be flavors. weird. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little weird. So. We've got New Zealand. That's probably uh, New Zealand and France. Those are your kingpins right there. Yeah. And so uh, also right South America, it. they make some in Chile as well. And Chilean yeah, is closer. That's to right, the, yeah. It's closer to the French style. Yeah. They, they use the coastal regions where they get a lot of like morning fog or high altitude to keep R the acidity fresh and do the French style. Exactly, yes. So, are you ready to uh, drink some of this? Or did you want to get into some? Okay, all right. So, we'll let you go first, sir. Okay, so I'll start with the classic of the classics. I have here a Puyi Fumé from La Chateau. 
this is a French like uh, négociant producer, 2015 vintage. Okay, I'll pour a little sample. So we have a very pale lemon color. Nothing like yours. Yeah, it's just your ordinary white wine. Nothing special here in the color. Maybe a slightly green tinge, which is also an indicator for Sauvignon Blanc. So on the nose. This is really interesting because we already mentioned it. It's not like the grassy green. It's more like hay. Like you get definitely like dried grass and dried like herbs. Mm. This is really interesting. And of course, like some smoky flintiness and a little bit of honeysuckle is coming out there. Oh, that sounds really nice. It's very, very pleasant. It's not loud. It's yeah, more like I would call it a medium intensity. Mm -hmm. Medium minus, maybe. Okay, so that's on the nose. There's a lot going on while I'm swirling this glass. Like a lot of, like, yeah, it's, it's almost like a meadow in the summer when they just cut that grass and it's drying quickly in the sun. Oh, very Beautiful. nice. So... On the palate, definitely crisp acidity, really fresh. The, the aromas coming out again, like at, in the back of the palate, you get that hay. You get a little bit more of grassiness, a hint of uh, green bell pepper, but just a slight one. And again, that honeysuckle. The wine is bone dry. This is a beautiful companion for all kinds of like uh, shellfish, seafood, and also like uh, the classic ghost cheese from the Loire. Oh, that sounds awesome. And yeah, it, it's it's not even very expensive. It's under 20 euros. Yeah, that's a good thing about uh, Sauvignon Blanc. It's it's generally, most of the time, it, it's hard to find one that is quite expensive. Yeah, even like the top high-end uh, aged vintages from like superstars like Didier Dagenau, they, they barely catch more than 250 euros. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. They, they only accept like Chateau de Chem or something. They they can be a couple of thousands but that's the only exception yeah i i mean we already mentioned puy fime mm -hmm. they have a very distinct soil profile they get that smokiness flintiness out of the soil yeah and also uh, a really good minerality in the wine yeah if you are in france if you have the chance go there visit or if not you get their wines like almost everywhere in the world like absolutely. a sancerre if it's a good restaurant, you will have a Sancerre on the menu. Definitely. Oh, absolutely, you will. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I think we hop a little bit around the globe and uh, continue with yours. Yes, so what I have here is I have a Nobilo from Marlborough, New Zealand. And it's one of the most famous regions. And we were talking the other day about where uh, uh, Sauvignon Blanc started and when it started in Marlborough, and we were both kind of wrong. It actually started in 1979, mm -hmm. and it wasn't the Cloudy Bay guys. They came along in the 80s. Mon it was Montana, now the Brancott Estate, under Bernard Ricard, that ah, planted so the big. first vineyard and produced its first Sauvignon Blanc in 1979. Labeled Which is interesting by. because that's our birth year. <laughs> that is our birth year. So that's pretty cool. We need to try to find a 1979 Montana Marble Marlboro Sauvignon Yeah, Blanc. that's a unicorn. Yeah, it's probably very hard to find, and it's probably uh, expensive if they even if that year even decided to age very well. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, it was their first try, and who knows what the quality was even like. So anyways... Yeah, the, the 
winemaker that made this wine that I'm drinking right now uh, from the Nobelo. It was founded by uh, Nikola Nobelo, who originally came from Croatia, and his family had been making wine in Croatia for 300 years. It's also interesting because Sauvignon Blanc is not like a typical grape for Croatia. No, it definitely isn't. Uh, they left Croatia in the 30s uh, because they could. Well, they said his uh, his father was kind of suspecting what was about to kick off in Europe at that time, so they got out of there, fled to New Zealand before things got bad, and uh, started making wine there. And for a long time, a lot of people at that time in New Zealand, people were growing a lot of hybrid grapes because of uh, phylloxera actually did hit New Zealand like it did Europe. And we'll talk about phylloxera another time. It's a nasty bug that just decided to start killing all the uh, all the grapevines in Europe. But they had this... Uh, they were... Instead of using just the rootstocks, people were just kind of like, yeah, you know what? We kind of like these uh, American varieties, and they developed these uh, hybrid uh, wine yeah, varieties. Hybrid. And uh, they, I, I've had some of them. I don't really enjoy them that much. But there for a while until I think it was the 1960s, they, they, it's what they were drinking. And then they slowly started turning around to uh, the... Uh, old world varieties again so this is their Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro I'm going to give it a try let's see here it is just a pale very 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 pale lemon colored barely even barely any more color than water mm. to be honest but it is very powerful on the nose I would, I would go it's as far as to high intensity very citrusy, a lot of uh, lime, uh, a little bit of that grassiness. Actually, kind of uh, a lot. Actually, it's kind of almost like a like a dirty old lawnmower when you first pull it out of the garage <laughs> in, in the spring. <laughs> and, that, and, and that's a smell you usually would get with like a gruner. Definitely pick it up in this as well. It also has a very powerful citrus, but it's it's more of that lime. Maybe a little maybe a little pineapple in there. I mean, you can you can tell it's acidic just from just from the nose. Let me give this a taste. Oh man, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful wine. There, it's still got that that lemon. Just a crazy. I'm sorry, it's got lime. That crazy acidity. It's hard to talk when my mouth is watering so much. Really high acid. Uh, I would say some stone fruit. Uh, maybe maybe even a little peach in there. Um, some uh, star fruit, a little little bit of the tropical stuff. It's it's really good. This is a perfect hot day sitting outside. You know, I'm not going to go for the mint julep. I'm going to go for a glass of this uh, Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc. It's perfect for the summertime. Absolutely delicious. I think this was ten bucks for this bottle, so very affordable. Go for it. Get it. Look for it. You can probably find this in any grocery store, Nobilo, I'm sure. I'm sure you can find it, N-O-B-I-L-O. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but yeah, so that's really good. And uh, I think I'm going to guess you have something from Germany? Exactly. We were actually thinking about getting something uh, from our friend Oliver Zeta from the Pulse, because mm -hmm. he's like, the high-end guy for Sauvignon Blanc in Germany. 
yes. like really famous. But then uh, my nephew actually brought something along that's much more interesting. So okay. I have here a bottle of uh, a limited edition of a Sauvignon Blanc from Saale Unstrut in Eastern Germany. It's uh, made by a cooperative that's basically like a cooperative that's there from the communist times of East Germany and yeah, converted to market economy, but it's still like the model. There's grape farmers who grow the grapes, uh, deliver them there, and they have professional winemakers and all the uh, equipment to make the wine. So they can share this equipment and produce uh, a lot of wine in terms of uh, yeah, volume and also of variety. So this is a very interesting uh, example from East Germany. This is a very cool climate. West German people all, always doubt that it's even possible to grow wine up there. But they did a really good job. That's so, really cool. Uh, yeah, the the soil is a shell bearing limestone, Kimmeridgian soil, like you would find in Chablis, like great stuff. Mm -hmm. Very cool climate in the east of Germany. So let's give it a try. Let's give so it this. A uh, the price point is around eight euros for this bottle. Not bad at all. So here we definitely have a greenish tinge in that, yeah, uh, I would say medium intensity. It's it's pretty intense compared to the uh, Sancerre in, in terms of color. It's not that pale. So on the nose, yeah, you get the lawnmower. Here it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is like yeah, freshly, freshly mown lawn. You get definitely a lot of like that limestone minerality even on the nose it, it's there and it's really interesting so you have a terroir component here a lot of grassiness a lot of vegetable a little bit of green bell pepper on the nose there's a ton going on in this wine it's much less pleasant and a little bit more challenging than the uh we had very interesting very deep I, I i really have a hard time to find the right descriptors for this uh-huh let's try the palate yeah this is the acidity is really racy almost like that laser beam Riesling acidity. Oh, yeah. And that in Sauvignon Blanc. So they really make the best out of their climate and they take the best out of both worlds in terms of aromatics. So you get the grapefruit, you get that juicy lemon, um, you get a lot of that grass and bell pepper. So they have New Zealand there, they have Old World there, they have a ton of minerality. It's a completely independent style. It's not a copy of New Zealand. It's not a copy of France. And it's still very, very good. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. It sounds very, like they a... They did a great job. Like, a nice little a novelty. female winemaker mm -hmm. who, who made that wine in a limited edition. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And at this price point, it can easily compete with, with the other ones. Very cool. I can't wait to get home and uh, try that with you. Yeah, I, I think we should go over there and visit them because they don't get much press. They are still like a, a fringe region. Sounds yeah, good to me. There's a lot of stuff to discover. I need to explore that uh, side of Germany a little bit more anyways. Yeah, also in terms of beer, it's really interesting. They have all these like black beers, the Schwarz beer. Ah, and yeah, that's, we, should, we could do an episode on that as well. Yeah, mm. they, they have some interesting uh, drinking culture in the east too, so... There's also the region of Sachsen we didn't cover yet. A lot of stuff to find. Well, there we go. Yep. So more to come, ladies and gentlemen, more to come. So I think we've just about covered uh, what we can cover of Sauvignon Blanc. 
Yeah, that's the easy entrance. We might get back to it in the future with the sweet wines uh, of Sautern. Also, our friend Oliver Zeter, he makes really interesting sweet uh, Sauvignon Blanc called Goldschatz mm-hmm. and the Sweetheart. Oh, yeah, the Sweetheart. I, I think in, in terms of sweet Sauvignon Blanc, we can do another episode. And there's also a lot more to discover. Maybe we can uh, pay Oliver a visit. We should, because he's also a great producer of uh, Syrah. Absolutely. Oh, his Syrah is wonderful. Okay, everyone. Uh, first off, I want to apologize a little bit, because I'm not sure how the quality is going to be for these next couple episodes. Yeah. We're kind of ironing some things out here with the... We're, we're geographically separated here for a few months, so we're going to have to do these shows a little bit differently than we're used to. But once we get this all, like... Uh settled um we will have guests on the show too because this remote style allows us to get like anybody on the show basically absolutely yeah we just gotta we're just kind of still a little amateur at it so once we get this nailed down it's going to be a lot better yeah we'll definitely try to get our friend chappy cottrell from the the crew podcast on our show oh yes we had a pretty and also give him a shout out here (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Chappy. And, yeah, go, and go check out his podcast. It's uh, he does a great job. He has a a, a much different format than we have. He has a guest uh, every episode, and he's got some. This dude, what is he? Twenty five years old now? Twenty six, maybe Probably, now. Yeah. And uh, he has some heavy hitter names on his show. Good grief! Yeah, check it out. The Crew Podcast, C R U Podcast. Yeah, it's really good. Great. And also, as a coincidence, since we're on the uh, talking about Sauvignon Blanc, there was a, I just listened to this today. There was a great episode about just about New Zealand and the history of wine in New Zealand from uh, another podcaster, Keith Beavers of uh, Wine Schooled, Schooled with a K. Yes. You've been following him. He's really good, and he just did an episode about New Zealand wines, and it was great. It was really good, so I had to be really careful not to like start stealing his stuff when I was talking about because <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to it. So yeah, check him out too. I mean, there's there's a, there's a bunch of uh, like if you get on Spotify and you look up you know podcasts for wine, there's like a ton of them, but there's only a few that actually stick with it and keep putting out episodes. Like you'll see hundreds of them with like one or two episodes and then that's it. That's from years ago. But you've got a few of them, like Crew Podcast, like um, um, Wine Wine Schooled, Casual Wine Geeks is another one. And they have just tons. They just keep doing it every week and... You know, we're not really making much money off of this, but, you know, it's something. We do it for the fun and, and just the love of it, just like the rest of them do. But get on there and give everyone some support. So I guess that's Talking about it for... Support, oh, we should mention our Patreon again. We, we set have up a, a Patreon page. We did. We set up a Patreon page. Um, there's not really... <laughs> we've got a lot of offers to give you, but... I'm a little bit behind about loading up the uh, show notes and things like that. Uh, I've been really busy lately, so a lot of the content still needs to be loaded onto that page. But it's there. You can go check it out. 
I got a few things on there, and you can check out the uh, the uh, perks you can get from joining. I, I spelled them out in a, a couple episodes ago, but it's broken down a little bit better if you actually go to the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash pulledcorks. So go check that out. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter and on um, Instagram. All of them is pulledcorks. Or on Instagram, there's also JP Pulledcorks and our beautiful website, which is pulled-corks.com. And we've got yeah, lots of... We will definitely be working on some uh, stuff to put up there pretty soon in terms of articles, in terms of like other information. Definitely always worth looking at. Yeah, there's some cool stuff on there. There's over 70 pages of articles and reviews and... And, and different things on there. So there's you can spend some time on there uh, bouncing around. So go check that out as well. It's pretty cool. Pulled-corks.com. So, JP, I think that's about all we can get for today. Yeah. I think we covered what we wanted to cover. Um, I definitely want to drink more of this uh, Saleonstrut now. Oh, absolutely. So, everyone... Oh, go ahead. Since the hub here in the Pulse already rolled in, I was able to get a case of uh, Neuer Wein, like mm. the new like fermenting grape must. It's still fermenting. It's sweet grape juice with a little bit of alcohol and a lot of gas and a lot of microorganisms working in there. And uh, yeah, I, I just got a case of the 2018 vintage still fermenting. And I will bake a little uh, onion pie, the Pfälzer Zwiebelkuchen tonight. So we will celebrate the harvest a little bit today here in the Pulse. Sounds great. And it is an early harvest this year, if I'm not mistaken. It's really early. It's like a month earlier than usual. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of heat, not much rain. It's a very so hot summer. In terms so. of the onion pie, I have to make it myself because all the bakeries, they weren't prepared. <laughs> there, there's no onion pie to get anywhere in the Pulse right now. Well, there so you go. So you have to bake it yourself because the winemakers were just so fast <laughs> yeah well hopefully it's going to be since it was so hot and so little rain hopefully it'll be another uh, great vintage like 2015 probably even better like they uh, all say this will be the most legendary in the last hundred years or something well then everyone start buying now because it will get expensive just like the 2015 yeah. is already expensive that's true yeah, we so, should go and get some Ultra Gold Group. <laughs> yeah, you know that's a good idea. <laughs> that's yeah. a really good idea. That's our our like little secret we shared with you guys because you deserve it. Try it if you find a Ultra Gold Group from Daniel Wallenweider in the Mosul. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The Ultra Gold Group 2015 was amazing. Really amazing. The price went up like crazy, but you're right. The 2018 is probably going to be even better. So yeah, let's yeah we got to get a few cases of that. Good thinking, <laughs> good thinking. Okay, everybody. Well, I think uh, we've taken enough of your time now, and uh, we can't wait to get at this again next week. Sorry for the delay in a week, but uh, we'll be back to you, and uh, hopefully the quality will keep improving the sound quality. But uh, we'll, we'll get it nailed down. We promise. We just need We're to. Working on it. Yeah, we need to learn how to use the equipment we have. Okay, well, everybody, until next time, yeah. cheers. See you and cheers. <laughs>